This is Bite Size History with the Saints. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Bite Size History with the Saints. Hey everyone, welcome back to Bite Size History. This is Megan. You probably got that in the introduction, the whole Bite Size History, but I'm Bradley. And uh, yeah, this week, you know, it's not going to be a longer podcast because there's not really much going on. It's the in-between week, so we do our Patreon stuff on the in-between weeks. And this week is basically just trying to finalize the recipe that we're going to be doing. I think we've got it figured out. We know we're going to post... Post-Neolithic. So one of the things that we had originally discussed was this was going to be a three-recipe time period. Come to find out that because the Neolithic happened so late in Southeastern Asia, it immediately jumps to post-Neolithic, which is almost colonialism. And so with that, we're going to kind of... It's not quite colonialism. It's pretty close. It's pretty close, but it's not quite colonialism. I mean, every everywhere had a post-Neolithic phase. You know, it was that phase where you're sitting in your parents' basement going, God, Mom, I know my job at Taco Bell's not good, but, you know, we've all had that phase. It's just a phase. It's just a phase. But this is that time period that all the farming has been done. It's already established. You start to see more branching out, more trade being developed, more population growth. So you get new rules new ideas for the way society should work. And that's one of the things we do see with the post-Neolithic uh, in Indonesia. Yeah, think of like, this is kind of like when the cities were starting to get built and kind of going forward. Because the cities were already kind of there with farming, but now this is kind of like the big boom yeah. where the entire economy is not just dependent on the farms. Well, and she didn't catch what I was trying to put down there because I was trying to take and, you know, transition her into the idea of gender roles. Oh, yes. Yeah. One of the big things that you, you highlighted in your research. <laughs> yeah. So it was one of the things that we had found, well, I found in the research. This is kind of the time period where gender roles started to play a larger part into this, where they would change things like in the past, men had kind of the equal share when it came to farming and 
food production, but around this post-Neolithic time, it became almost predominantly a female job. The food production. The food production and also the farming. And that's mostly due to the fact that how the priorities changed and also the introduction of Islam. So that changes quite a bit of things. So the big things with this, though, is the focus around why women were doing a lot of the farming. It came with kind of the idea that especially rice production because of creating the stamp uh, the saplings and getting everything ready to farm that was considered kind of a woman's role because it was very much like a mother-child kind of relationship religion religion yeah. religion religion yeah <laughs> why do we do anything really religion because some god told us to <laughs> and that's the thing is like the neolithic we do start to see a a sharp change in roles and that's one of the things that like especially for the mesolithic that it's starting to become more prominent is the idea that women actually did play a larger role in day-to-day society because the idea that a woman was just going to sit at the campfire cooking i mean let's be honest it's not a good theory it was formed in sexism the idea that she's just going to spend all day doing nothing but cooking and to take care of a child you're all there to survive it seems like a very 1950s mindset of like oh she's just in the kitchen in 1950s 1800s yeah you know we do like to ignore the idea that like in the 1800s a lot of times women had jobs on top of doing what they were doing That's the thing. But the Neolithic, you do start to get that more nailed down idea of a religion. And it may not be, you know, the religion you practice, but we knew of ritualistic purposes before the Neolithic. And there's still some debate about what is actually realistic or not realistic. Did I say realistic a second ago? No, you said ritualistic. Okay, I was correct. Ritualistic. But there's still some debate about what would have been ritual, and we're not going to get into that here because I wrote a whole dissertation on it, and that's a story for another time. (laughs) But the idea behind religions forming and the idea of specified gender roles is something that, you know, we still haven't broken away from to this day, no matter how hard we have tried. And we've still got a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. And I find it, yes, I know, it's it's rich. <laughs> a white male lecturing on gender roles. But I, I'm not the breadwinner. I'm an archaeologist. <laughs> I, I married somebody that was going to be the breadwinner because I knew I would never be able to support myself. And I have no issues with that at all. It's nice being a trophy husband. <laughs> I honestly don't know why guys complain about it so much. You don't have the toxic masculinity problem. Maybe that's what it is. For sure. Yeah. Maybe they just need to take and realize that, you know, yeah, you know, we're getting we're getting a way off topic here. We got way off topic. <laughs> we really did, but I appreciate it. It was a good tangent. Uh so one thing to bring up with, you know, what we mean by post Neolithic for Southeastern Asia. So for other groups, that's back in like like specifically in Europe that'd be what, like eight thousand? Mm. No. It depends on where you're in Europe. Well, let's go with with what you were doing in the UK. So what I was doing in Britain and Ireland, the Mesolithic ended around 4,000, 5,000 years ago. Okay. So that's when we start to see the advent of farming there. But farming had already been done in the Middle East in what's called the Fertile Crescent for thousands of years before it was introduced into Britain and Ireland. And part of that's because, you know, Britain and Ireland, the climate for growing stuff isn't as nice as it is in the Fertile Crescent in the Middle East. I mean, it's it's in the name. The Fertile Crescent? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was... Uh, but... <laughs> so one thing to note, though, with this is the post-Neolithic for Southeastern Asia starts at around 
1200 CE and ended all the way into the 1700s. Now, this is where another issue that, as an archaeologist, I do draw issues with. We are, a lot of times, it's Western archaeologists using Western ideas to implement them on non-Western cultures. And technically, after crops had been established and people were regularly farming, that could be considered post-Neolithic. But we've set up these parameters for ourselves to help us more easily identify time periods and we go okay well it can't be post-neolithic for 4,000 years and that's just not the way it works but yet again it's western ideas being implemented on non there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Western cultures. What I was going to say, because a lot of this was very cultural when it comes to Southeastern, uh, Southeastern Asia. Well, yeah, and it's like with the introduction of um, Islam, you know, we do start to see that branching out and the colliding of worlds. You got people that didn't practice Islam being introduced to Islam, adopting Islam. And there's that clashing of worlds that comes about any time the two cultures do meet. And yet again, like I said last week, there's that trading of ideas. There's that trading of everything. And most religions, a lot of the holidays focus around food. And almost all of them. <laughs> almost all of them. It's, you know, when you think of it in Christianity, you get Christmas. It was a pagan holiday that the Christians co-opted and made into a Christian holiday. But what do you do? Food. And drink. And drink. But food. <laughs> a lot of food. And I'm not, I, I was raised Catholic, no longer Catholic. I was never raised in Islam. I was never raised as a Buddhist but that is one thing that pretty much all cultures have in common is food. And every religion adopted big events in their culture to coincide with food. So the idea of a harvest, you know, you get goddesses or gods that are usually goddesses because food is giving life and that's the woman's role yet again. <laughs> but I wish I could have a baby. <laughs> but the idea of harvest you know it, it, it's that one big haul and now you've got yourself enough food to last through that winter hopefully if the harvest was good if not you didn't take and you know give the right reparations to a god or whatnot but food and religion go hand in hand and i mean you even look at the bible how many passages of food are there in the bible in the abrahamic abrahamic how many old testament is that the I was not a good Catholic. So, in the Old Testament, there's tons of mentions of food. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, there's the Abrahamic 
split where you have Islam, Judaism, Judaism and Christianity. Mm-hmm. So all three of them picked up all of that from the Old Testament and then their own writings of just constant food. Yeah. So. Yeah, but food. I mean, that's the thing. It ties us together. It's literally what brings communities together. Uh, not so much now because we can go to the supermarket, but in a way that's kind of communities being brought together. Well, and a lot of like uh, homeless shelters and such and like food kitchens are run by religious organizations. Yeah. And that's the thing is that at the end of the day, food is what ties us together. And it's very poetic and very... Um, kind of depressing when you think about it when you think of food starvation. Yeah, but that's a story. Whole another thing. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like food itself, we have to have it. I think it's uh, depending on how heavy you are. It depends on how (laughs) long you can go without food. But eventually, we will all die if we have no food. And what do we do in times of surplus of food? We celebrate it. What do we do in times of non-surplus of food? We blame whatever God we want to blame. We often do fasting. And you, you have to take and make cuts. We do a lot of religious fasting during those periods. Yeah, but at the end of the day, we don't think about food that much in our society, especially in developed nations where food is just there. And it's something that we should think more about because as we've started to over farm, I mean, look at, you know, the Midwest during the Dust Bowl. You know, that was all due to over farming. We literally destroyed the ground and it took a while for it to be able to get back to producing anything and we even see you know back when farming first started there's evidence of cultures literally collapsing because they were using salt water to irrigate their crops and then after a while they couldn't figure out why their crops weren't growing anymore (laughs) but that's the thing is that's all stuff that we've developed and we've learned over the time but we don't think about food that much because we don't have to and with the holidays approaching, maybe we should start thinking about food a little bit more. Maybe we should start to sit there and go, I've got enough. Let me take a couple cans of food down to the food bank. Please give them cans. Don't bring them fresh. Cans are able to be sustained. Mm -hmm. They can keep those on the shelves. They can use them. Fresh food, you know, it's great for you at your home, but it does have an expiration date on it and it often won't be in able to get used in time so it goes to waste bring them non-perishables they need those things yeah sorry about the tangent i i you know food scarcity is something that is very important to me and it should be important to you but let's get back to what we are doing with the recipe yeah so for this weekend right now the plan is to bring in dishes that have a bit more middle eastern ingredient influence um while still focusing on what would have been native ingredients to the south southeastern asian region uh, like i said last week a lot of the food that they still eat there to this day hasn't changed a whole lot and it's been nice for us but at the same time frustrating because the the whole point of this was for us to experiment and to see what would be you know different mm-hmm and it's nice because you, you get to enjoy those dishes that are well-established. But it's it's infuriating, at least for me from an archaeological standpoint, because I wanted to, you know, granted, I, I, I like the fact that, you know, last week's dish was edible. and But I like that idea that sometimes it's not going to be edible. I was going to say. The, or it's the, not going to be edible to my modern palate. Yeah, like the what went wrong with the uh, Dan Dan noodles is kind of my epitome of the most like Frankenstein meal we could have made. Yeah, I think that the problem with that one was that Megan found a more modern recipe and adapted it to what it would have been, you know, taking all the modern ingredients out. I think that's something that in the future that we might need to get away from. Mm-hmm. 
and just make our own concoctions. And I completely agree with that. I think the biggest reason why I hadn't was I got kind of burnt out from our earlier weeks of the constant stews. If I have anything to say about the 2022 recipes, stews. Stews everywhere. That's yet again the problem that she has is that she wants all that variety. And I cannot stress this enough to her. And, you know, we've gotten into heated debates about it. The variety that she wants is a modern idea. It's not there. They had what they had, and that's what we have to use. And it's a point of irritation for her. It's something that I honestly don't think that she's ever going to uh, get past. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm going to complain about this for at least another decade. But stews were easy. Stews were quick. Not quick so much, but you you could just kind of set them and leave. I'm, to be honest, now that we've got into winter, I'm much more prone to want to do the stews. Over the summer, I was getting really tired of them. Yeah, and that's why once we've done our lap around the globe, we're going to be transitioning to a new thing, but we're not going to say anything about it right now. I was going to say that's that's behind the scenes. Yeah, that's secret. all behind the scenes stuff. You have to keep, you know, stay tuned. Stay tuned for more. Yeah, we're, we're thinking maybe June next year we should be through the globe. It might be a little bit sooner, might be a little bit later. Either way, the next food um, experiments that we do, I'm excited for. And she is going to hate. I already know I'm going to be miserable. And I just I have to just smile and go, it's for science. But I'm not a scientist. So I don't know why I care. Well, because you decided to do this with I d- me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I decided this was worth my time to be the guinea pig. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't need not as much a guinea pig. You're, you know, guinea pigs aren't exactly willing subjects. <laughs> I didn't I think mean, I was willing. <laughs> you, you're the one that's making most of these recipes. I'm just helping film. Begrudgingly. <laughs> yeah, begrudgingly, but you're making them. I'm that's just, true. I'm there running the camera because... I'm tall enough that I can get those angles. Yeah, at some point we should take a photo of our setup because it consists of a tripod on top of our island and I'm too short to reach it. <laughs> yeah, so at the end of the day, I'm I'm nothing more than a camera crew when it comes to it, but it's kind of a reversal of roles yeah. on the Brad's Labs. She's the camera crew and I'm the talent, but when it comes to the dining through time, I'm the camera crew and the food is the talent. You're so <laughs> rude. Oh my God. Yeah, she she's definitely her at least her hands. She she may not be able to be a professional hand model, but her hands are in the shots. I don't know what to do with my hands. Make food. Yeah, that's true. Make food that you won't like. Yeah, nine times out of ten. So that's that's really it for this week. Um, we're gonna work on the recipe. I need to get the Patreon exclusive ones up there, and really, we just ask you guys if you are liking these let us know drop us a comment reach out uh we do want to hear from you we we want to hear from people yeah um we've been doing this for almost a year and it gets kind of lonely yeah it's kind of you know when it's just her and i talking to each other it's kind of an echo chamber and i want to i want to hear from somebody else i want to know what love is oh i know what love is It's torturing the other one with horrible food. That's true. (laughs) Well, and also, if you are enjoying these, I recommend following it on one of those uh, different podcast services and sharing it, maybe, because... And we do have a website. We do have a website. um, Where you can check out the blog posts that we make. She links to all the YouTube videos for Dining Through Time. You know, there's there's a newsletter. There is a newsletter that we do weekly that mostly just links back to the websites, but that's still fun. 
Yeah, but, you know, it gives a little bit of what's going on and you know, what you can expect. Um, but, yeah, if you guys, you know, we'd love to hear from people. So that's the show for this week. Yeah, it turned, you know, not very long, but I think it probably ended up being around the same as the last time because of my tangent. <laughs> and I do not apologize for it was a good tangent. I think it was necessary. It was a it was a needed tangent, especially as we go into the holidays. You know, you can't. Don't be selfish. Don't. Just people are struggling. Be cool. Be cool. You know, help, help, help. But other than for that, yeah. Thank you guys for joining. I was gonna say, have a fantastic. Well, I guess they didn't join so much as listen. That's true. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Thank you for listening to me babble. And we'll have another episode next week. Yeah. Have a good week, guys. Bye, guys. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.